us anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Dodge head. Hello and welcome back to the BBFC podcast. I'm Megan, Press and Communications Officer, and today, because of coronavirus, we are recording the podcast in a slightly different way, from our own living rooms. This means that the sound quality might not be as clear as usual, but we hope to bring you an interesting podcast to cheer you up in these strange times, from our home to yours. Today I'm joined by Sarah and our compliance team and Matt and our policy team, so welcome to both of you. Hello. Hello. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the cinema industry has been responding to the coronavirus crisis, and in particular, the rise of cinema releases going straight to streaming services such as Amazon and Disney. We'll take you through some of these recent releases and give you all of the classification knowledge we can, so that you can sit and watch them either by yourself or with your family whilst in lockdown. So my first question is, what are your tips for recreating the cinema experience at home? Mine is that snacks are essential. I always grab some popcorn, sweets or fruit slices and get really comfy on the sofa with a blanket. What do you guys do? Firstly, I'm impressed you grab fruit slices. I wish I could be that healthy. Um, Well, yeah, this is going to make me sound really uh bad but we we tend to go all out if if we're making it into an event evening um we will order a takeaway or we'll cook our favorite meal and then sit down and um start the film when we're eating it um we also put phones away because otherwise we will get distracted i'm glad you said that that was going to be mine and i was worried that i might sound a little bit militant but i think particularly now it's really good to have a reprieve from checking the news obsessively every 10 minutes and sitting down to watch a film is really the the ideal way to do that. So yeah, phones off, out of reach. That's the way to do it. Definitely. Do you also like turn the lights down a bit or does that not work when you're eating your dinner? Oh yeah, dim the lights, close the curtains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although I, I broke that rule, the put phones away rule at the weekend because we watched Mary Queen of Scots and we didn't know the history well enough to understand what was going on. So we had to do um, frequent Google searches for stuff, um, which I think was allowed because it made us understand what was going on. So I didn't feel too bad breaking that rule then. We'd love to hear what your top tips are. Um, so why don't you drop us a tweet telling us how you create the cinema experience? The first film we're going to talk about is Trolls. Um, it actually skipped its theatrical release and headed straight to streaming services. Um, it was released on Friday the 10th of April on Sky Store, Amazon Prime Video, iTunes and Google Play for £15.99. We rated the film You for very mild threat, rude humour and language, so it's suitable for all of the family to watch together. The film is about a group of friendly trolls who try to unify a land which is threatened by division based on musical taste. Trolls World Tour is the second of the troll films, and a lot of parents might have seen the first one with their kids. How do the two differ? Well, they're quite similar, to be honest, Megan. Um, They are both insanely colourful, and Trolls World Tour is just as full as glitter as the first Trolls film. There's lots of new characters in Trolls World Tour, but um, our heroes Poppy and Branch are back. Some of our younger viewers might be pleased to know that the monsters from the first film, the Bergens, are not in Trolls World Tour, so it's a bit more relaxing on that front. Is there anything in particular that parents need to know about the film before watching it with 
younger children? Um, well, as you mentioned in your introduction, Trolls World Tour is rated U, um, as was the first Trolls film. Um, the first Trolls film in our ratings info, we put mild comic threat. Um, and that was really because of those scenes with the Bergens were a little bit scary. In Trolls World Tour, we put the ratings info, very mild threat, rude humour and language. Um, you'll notice probably rude humour. There's a few um, moments where some of the trolls wiggle their bottoms about a bit um for anyone who's watched um trolls the beat goes on the um animated series there's a lot of that going on in there um so this just follows um from the style of the the tv show um language is really very mild there's only a few uses of but following on from the rude humor um and there is some threat in trolls world tour but as i say it's a bit less intense than than the first film and there's lots of musical numbers which i appreciated so it's a good one to watch if you like a nice sing-along. Absolutely. Justin Timberlake. Michael J. Blythe. Mary J. Blythe. Michael. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good cast, this one. Um, and the, the, the cast really bring kind of real energy, um, which is what is needed for a film this bright and glittery, quite frankly. I think my favourite quote from it, which just shows how accessible it is for the whole family, is um, we will overpower them with glitter, which I think... Uh, Kind of sums up how family friendly it is. I think a lot of parents probably relate to that line. So how can parents use this film as an educational tool? Well, it's got a really sweet, heartwarming message. So in the film, um, the, the, the villains are the trolls who are into heavy metal and they want to imp impose their musical taste on the other trolls. Um, so at the beginning, they're, you know, a bit rude and a bit naughty. Um, and then of, through the course of the film, they, they learn that there's real positivity um, and power in diversity um, and that it's really important to have um, a diverse range of views, diverse range of tastes, and that ultimately makes the community a lot stronger. So it's a really lovely film to talk about those ideas with children. Another film that you might be wanting to see is Bloodshot. Despite having a short run in cinemas, um, it's another film that's headed straight to streaming services early. You can watch it on either Amazon Prime or iTunes for £13.99. We rated Bloodshot 12A and it's all about a man who becomes superhuman after he's brought back to life by a team of scientists. The ratings info for this film is moderate violence, bloody images and infrequent strong language. So it's a good film to watch with your older children. So what do parents need to know about this film? Yeah, so um, Bloodshot is a little less glittery than, than Trolls World Tour. Uh, stars Vin Diesel as Ray Garrison. He's a Marine who is brought back from the dead by some unscrupulous scientists who want to use him as a weapon. He's, um, he's got nanobots implanted in his blood, which uh, enable him to miraculously heal from any injury and make him the ultimate killing machine, as if Vin Diesel could get even tougher. Um, but when he recovers his old memories and realises what's been done to him, he's uh, not too happy about it. And so he sets out to take his revenge. Um, as you say, there was a brief theatrical release um, for Bloodshot before the lockdown. So we did classify it for cinemas 12A. It's now available on streaming services uh, and it's a 12. There's moderate violence throughout. These are stylized action sequences that you get in, in these sort of comic book movies. Uh, fight scenes with crunchy impacts, the use of guns, knives, explosives, all the big action spectacle you'd expect, um, the use of fantastical sci-fi weaponry, um, and also, as you say, Megan, some bloody images, um, though the injury detail is limited to characters that we know to be 
more than human for the most part. So for instance, uh, when Vin is shot, um, you might sort of briefly see bone and tissue exposed. But because of the nanobots in his blood, we know that he's going to heal really quickly. They're going to patch him up immediately, which significantly mitigates the impact of uh, the violence there. And is that what contributed to the 12A as opposed to uh, maybe a higher category? Yeah, absolutely. So we will um, look at the context of uh, in which the violence or the action is taking place. And uh, a fantasy context, a sci-fi context is generally a good mitigating factor that will help to keep uh, the action at the 12 level. And uh, a trailer version of this film was actually rated 15, um, but the film was rated 12A. Um, why is that? So generally, we do adopt a stricter um, policy when it comes to trailers. This is because obviously trailers are um, put in front of people um, when they're going to the cinema and they don't really have a choice about what it is that they're going to see. So um, it's in this unbidden context and that's why we're a bit tougher on some of the images that will allow um, at the lower ratings. So in particular reference to Bloodshot, there was one shot that was really quite challenging um, to, to pass at 12A, and that was a shot of um, Bloodshot being shot in the face and then lots of his blood and, you know, goodness knows what else flying through the air before we then start to see him um, heal. But obviously in the context of a trailer, um, while it was still sort of quite fantastical, um, we didn't feel that his superhero nature was going to be strongly known amongst kind of audiences um, and it was just a bit too detailed in a trailer context to be comfortable at, at 12a um, and I think you know he is a famous superhero but he's probably a lot less no well known than you know your spider-mans or your thors um, and he is from um, a different set of kind of comic books he's a valiant hero and not a marvel hero yeah so uh, obviously people will be mostly familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so characters like Captain America and Thor, Spider-Man, you mentioned already, and then there's the DC stable as well, so your Batmans, your Supermen, your Wonder Women. Um, Valiant Comics is a, is a smaller publisher and, and Bloodshot is um, you know, one of their flagship heroes. Uh, and I guess we'll have to wait and see whether that spawns a Valiant Cinematic Universe as well to, to sit alongside the others that, that people love. And this is Vin Diesel's latest outing. Do you have a favourite Vin Diesel film or performance? I would go back all the way back to, to Pitch Black, which I think is a, is a great little film. Obviously, there's, there's all the Fast and Furious as well. I've, I've enjoyed many of those. But my favourite my favorite Vin Diesel thing ever isn't actually a film. It's an advert. Or maybe it's not even an advert. It's sort of like a promotional tool to sell a line of action figures into toy shops. <laughs> Do you remember the street sharks at all? I remember having them when I was younger. Yeah, so these are sort of mutant crime-fighting sharks who were also into extreme sports. It was the most 90s thing ever. And if you search Vin Diesel street sharks on YouTube, you'll see this video of him, if memory serves, wearing a leather vest, playing with these toys and explaining who all the characters are. And it's just, uh, it's just a joy. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of Street Sharks before, but now I will be... Check it out. It's it's worth a watch, honestly. What about you, Sarah? Well, I think we've got to give a special shout out to The Pacifier from 2005. Um, it's sort of in the vein of a lot of action stars kind of 
transitioned into comedy um often in films where they're looking after children so films like kindergarten cop or more recently um the dave batista film with my spy um and this is just a fun example of one of those the final film we'll be talking about is one for you and your older kids who might have returned back from uni the invisible man is a horror thriller in which a woman leaves her controlling partner and finds herself menaced by something she cannot see we rated the film 18 for vod release and 15 for theatrical release for strong bloody violence, threat, language and domestic abuse. This film is actually one of the first films to be rated after our new research on classifying domestic abuse. Sarah, can you tell me a little bit more about the research and its findings? Sure. So um, uh, earlier in the year, the BBFC, in collaboration with Women's Aid and Respect, set up some research looking into how people across the UK including survivors of abuse felt about scenes of domestic abuse in films and television content and we selected a range of content and we showed this to focus groups across the UK those focus groups consisted of you know members of the public um, as I said survivors of abuse and also experts working within the charity sector who were specialists in in working with survivors of domestic abuse. And what was really positive from that research was that we found that in terms of our classification decisions, we were getting it sort of spot on. People agreed with where the BBFC was placing scenes of um, domestic abuse at particular ratings. But what was kind of in some ways more interesting and what we really wanted to find out was how best to describe these scenes in our ratings info and the research showed that when it comes to ratings info less is more and going into too much detail in the ratings info could potentially um, triggers people's sensitivities particularly survivors um, around the the issue of domestic abuse so as a result of the research, what the BBFC is going to do going forward is only use the term domestic abuse in our ratings info. Historically, we have used terms such as domestic violence as well as domestic abuse, um, but it very much is um, domestic abuse that will be leading on going forward. The public also told us that some of the formulations that we have historically used, such as domestic abuse theme or domestic violence theme, um, wasn't particularly helpful. Um, so we probably won't be using themes of in our ratings info going forward when it comes to um, issues of domestic abuse. As to be honest, to be expected, it very much flagged up um, that survivors can be quite significantly triggered by scenes of domestic abuse. And it's only right that the BBFC should flag this issue in our ratings info wherever possible. So usually what's kind of like common practice for us to do is we'll just put those sort of what we call category defining issues in our ratings info. So, for example, um, in Bloodshot, it was moderate violence injury detail and language so for example what will happen now is that even if a scene of domestic abuse could potentially have been passed at the 12 level we will still include that in our ratings info at 15 and this is to ensure that um, survivors of domestic abuse um, have the knowledge that the film contains that issue before they watch and they've got a choice to choose what's right for them when it comes to picking content. If you are concerned about whether a film does contain domestic abuse, you can also read the longer ratings info on our website, um, which will always outline what particularly is in the film or what you need to look out for if you are a bit concerned about that. So. How violent is the film and what should parents know of watching it with their older teens? So this is a horror film. It's, um, it's a remake of the, the 1930s 
universal monster movie directed by Lee Whannell, who has a great horror pedigree. He, he wrote Saw and a couple of the sequels as well. He wrote the Insidious films. So yeah, it's a scary movie. It is a violent movie. There are scenes of strong violence which involve attacks by the Invisible Man, who in one scene savagely beats a man into near unconsciousness. There's a scene where he attacks a woman in her home, sort of picking her up by the throat, throwing her around the room. There's an extended action sequence in which he dispatches various armed guards, which um, includes some bloody shootings. There are attacks with knives, so throat cuttings and, and the accompanying bloody detail there. So yeah, there's, there's a, a level of violence that um, for the most part sits at the, the 15 level, which uh, enabled the film to be classified 15 for its, um, for its theatrical release. What was it that pushed the VOD release to an 18? Um, was there quite substantial differences between the material? So the film was uh, initially seen for advice. Um, with the student, this is a, a service we offer to distributors where if they're hoping to achieve a particular category, we'll take a look at the film, um, sometimes in an unfinished form, sometimes it will be a, a totally complete version of the film and uh, we can give them advice on which category it's likely to achieve and then they can make changes if they wish to achieve the category they actually want before formally submitting the film. Uh, in the case of The Invisible Man there is a scene of uh, strong bloody injury detail in a suicide context um, which would have taken the film to 18 but for its theatrical release the company uh, did opt to make some very small changes uh, just to remove some bloody detail from that sequence, which enabled the work to be passed 15 theatrically uh, on VOD and when it arrives on, on DVD and Blu-ray as well, we've classified um, uncut versions at 18. So that'll be the version that people are watching it from the comfort of their own homes now. So despite parents maybe seeing a 15 rating at the cinemas, they should be aware that the VOD release is an 18. Yeah, yeah, this this is definitely one to watch with kind of older families. But um, you know, we know that a lot of a lot of young people have returned home from universities, and parents are finding themselves suddenly with um full house a full house again. So Matt, you mentioned um the strong violence and the effect that had on the rating. Um, was there any other category defining issues? Well, there are also scenes of uh, strong threat throughout the film. Scenes in which the the main character played by Elizabeth Moss, is stalked by uh, her abusive partner who has found a way to make himself invisible. These are, you know, scary sequences and the film's quite canny in the way it uses the camera to sort of make you think, is he there, is he not there? You know, by panning to an empty space or by sort of, you know, the framing being slightly off to imply an unseen presence. It's pretty creepy and there are also occasional quite effective, you know, I'll be honest, I did jump. There are these sort of jolting jump scare moments, a handful of those peppered throughout the film, as well as some strong language as well, which, which were defining at the 15 level for the theatrical version. A lot of those scenes of threat were uh, obviously also scenes of abuse, as you say, Matt. Something that came across in our research findings was that the term gaslighting was really quite well known amongst amongst members of the public. And I think this is a really good example of how gaslighting is sort of presented in a, in a film. And it's certainly um, 
contributes to that sense of emotional abuse that that occurs and I think it is important to sort of reiterate in the context of our domestic abuse research is that even at our 18 ratings info, um, you know, we have included domestic abuse in, in the ratings info there, even though we would have been content with that issue and how that issue is treated at the 15 level. Mm. I also found it um, very suspenseful, very jumpy. <laughs> I'm not too great with horror films anyway, but I think the most jarring thing for me was the gaslighting. It's very evident and I think it's a great way to talk to your older teens about relationships and how abuse can be more emotional and can present itself in different ways. Some depictions of difficult themes in films can be a good springboard for parents to have conversations with their older teenagers. Do you have any advice for parents on how they can start these conversations? Um, I mean, I think it's just about talking to, to whoever you're watching a film with um, after the film is played you know it doesn't necessarily have to be straight away often it can take quite a few days for um, films which contain quite heavy themes heavy issues to sort of land with you so I think it's just a case of just checking in and using it to talk to each other I think what's quite good about um, Invisible Man is that you know on the surface it's it's a sort of a pop film you know it's quite mainstream and you know it's a horror film it's a genre film but it does include quite difficult issues that are quite relatable you know aside from the fact that it's you know invisible man and i think often it's those genre films that are that are most effective at bringing out and dealing with really complex issues certainly just from my experience of watching cinema absolutely you can watch this film on one level as you know a really scary entertaining thrill ride but then there are these hidden depths and it sort of deals with the issue of domestic abuse in a sort of serious way and it, and it, it plays it straight. So it is a, is a great way to start conversations around these difficult subject matters. Great. Well, thank you very much. Um, that rounds up our list of films you might be watching on streaming services at the moment. So thank you for joining me, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Streaming services are offering a well-deserved break from coronavirus by releasing a wide array of new releases to keep us all entertained. I can't wait for the day that cinemas reopen and we can all make a much-needed trip to the movies. For more information about any of the films we've discussed in this podcast, please check out our website at www.bbfc.co.uk or follow us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram for great film trivia, educational resources and all of the classification knowledge you'd need. For now, we hope you all stay safe and join us next time for the BBSC podcast. Thank you.